You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. You guys, you guys are exceptionally wild tonight. Is that a good thing? Is that okay to be wild for God? I mean, just wild? Is it, is it really okay to be absolutely freak of nature out of your mind for the God who gave his life, his son for you? Is that all right? Well, I think we're going to get along fine tonight. And I like you guys. I've been hanging out all afternoon, watching, going to some of the seminars and stuff. How many of you like some of those uh, seminars this afternoon? You know, I love teenagers, and I'm, I'm so troubled by what is going on with your generation. After all these years of traveling and speaking and doing everything I know to do, I know lots of youth, youth pastors working so hard to rescue your generation, guys that lead youth ministries and guys that are in Christian bands and stuff trying to really minister. And in spite of all of that, it looks like the devil's working harder. The devil's gaining ground, and it looks like we're in perilous danger of not just losing your generation, but losing America as a Christian nation. And we are in perilous, perilous danger of that. And I'm looking for the last two or three years at the data, and this is ugly. This is bad as far as the percentage of Christians in your generation. But not just that, the garbage coming off the internet, garbage from movies and, and, and MTV and, you know, hip-hop and every style of music just destroying. They're, 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 they're ripping your, your, your mind off or ripping your heart off. They're raping and pillaging any kind of moral decency in your generation. And they don't care as long as they make money. So I'm looking at all this and I'm going, man, these, these teenagers, this generation is like being hammered like no other generation. I mean... When I was a teenager, it was a cakewalk compared to what you guys have to go through. And, you know, a lot of times adults will say, well, I remember what it was like to be a teenager. You know, there's not one adult in this room that knows what it's like to be a teenager in 2007. We have no idea how you guys are hammered by all these things that are supposedly normal and cool and, and in, in the culture that you live in. And so I'm looking at this. I'm going, man, there's a battle going on. We need to do something about it. And I don't know about you, but I think it's time... For the righteous young people, the people that are passionately in love with Jesus, just, just get stinking mad at the devil and rise up like an army and do something about this. What do you think? I think there's about two of you that'll do something about it with that cheer. I said it's time for a righteous generation to get mad at the devil and rise up and say, you're not taking our generation. So tonight, I need for you, I need for you to think big. Everybody say, think big. I need for you to dream big with me, okay? I want you to just, I want you to get way outside of your brain, your mind. You might be 13, 14, 15, 16. I don't care how old you are right now. It's time we need to, if we're going to have a chance of turning this thing around, it's going to take a whole army of people that dream God's dreams, that think God's thoughts, that get out of themselves and stop talking about the poor me and what the devil's doing and rise up like an army and say, you know what? 
The devil might have, you know, punched us up to one side of the head, but we're going to box his face and we're going to reach out to the generation and we're not going to give up and we're not going to get suckered into sin. We're not going to believe the lives of the culture. And uh, so, so I need for you to dream big, to think big with me here tonight. And, um, and, and I want to, and I want to just, um, I want you to think big, I want you to dream big, I want you to think profound, I want you to think radical, I mean the most intense, out of the box, freak of nature, of what, what could happen with your generation through you, you being involved in this whole thing. And so, um, first thing I want to do is I want you to turn your attention to the video screens and watch this video clip. If you're ready to leave the pig pen, you say, I'm out of here. I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to take up the cross and follow me. This is what I want you to do. Think about it and when you're ready, I want you to stand to your feet one at a time and shout as loud as you can, I want the cross! And as you do that, put your old self to death tonight. Anybody thinking big yet? Okay, so, so walk with me. First of all, let me, before we jump into the word here tonight, I, I want to just address uh, the youth pastors and youth leaders. Now, these men and women, whether they're volunteer or full-time or part-time, whatever, these are people that love you and that care about you. And, and youth pastors and youth leaders, can I just address you for a second? I need for you to dream as well. I need for you to think big and to dream big. If we're going to have a shot at turning this generation around, it's going to take all of us. It can't just be me. It can't just be, you know, Pastor Brent or Pastor Dave or, you know, your senior pastor. It can't just be a couple of kids in your youth group that are really on fire. It's going to have to be all of us as leaders catching a vision for this thing. Am I talking to the right youth pastors and leaders in the house tonight? In fact, could I just throw this challenge out there to everybody? Could you dare, just, just if you don't do anything else, could you just dare to dream this? Imagine... In the next 12 months, your youth group doubling in size. How many think that would be totally cool? Your youth group, everybody say my youth group, say our youth group, doubling this year. Now, some of you are like, but dude, we, you know, how could we do that? I don't know how to do that. What do we do? What do we do? Listen, um, I'm so tired of hearing that. 
Because you know what? There are lots of youth pastors that are doing it. Youth pastors of big churches, they got big youth groups, youth pastors of small churches. They don't have any budget whatsoever. And it, it can't just be, it's great to have stadiums full like that, kids coming to Christ, but it's got to be happening on the grassroots level. I mean, if we're going to see revolution, if we're going to change this 4 or 5% that looks like your generation is going to be, Bible-believing Christians, only 4 or 5%, and we're going to turn that around to 55 or 75 or 95. If we're going to do something like that, we're going to need churches and youth groups to double and disciple their youth group. And it, it can't just be, ooh, let's get excited for a week or two. It's got to be, we're going for it. We are focused. We will not relent. We will not let, let the devil dis, uh, discourage us or put us down. We're going to put a plan together. We're going to get our dream on, a, on the paper. We're going to, as youth, the young people, rallying around the dream. I don't care how big a town or small a town you come from. Am I talking to the right people here tonight? Because you know what? i got to tell you, I am so tired of hearing... Oh, there's a big Christian event over here. It had this many people. Oh, we had a big concert over here. And we talk about all these big things that are happening, but we're losing. We're congratulating ourselves as the train's going off the tracks. Good job. Good beating. Congratulations. Go. Who cares? We got to go. Is this real or not? Are we doubling our youth ministries? Are we discipling people? Or is it just a bunch of Christian hot air? with a lot of stuff that we're doing that's not changing anything. And so, you know, I'm, I'm starting here talking to youth pastor for just a second. Man, we have got to break out of our mold that we've kind of had ourselves in and our ministry in. And I think God wants to break us out of that. I mean, isn't it incredible what God's doing here, desperation? But you know what? There are millions and millions and millions and millions that are not here tonight. There are thousands that are in your town that aren't here tonight. Imagine, imagine desperation kinds of enterprises, ministries, worship experiences, preaching, on fire kids in every one of your towns. Could you imagine that? You know, I would check this out. I was telling my, um, on the way into town today, I brought my nephew with me. He's awesome. He's a 15-year-old Josh, and he's coming here. I said, let me tell you about this church. Let me tell you about the youth group we're coming to. Right here at this church, right here, there's 1,500 teenagers in the youth group every week. He goes, What? He couldn't believe it. What? You gotta be kidding me. He stopped. He stopped walking. We were talking and talking. And I'm like, yeah. And they got great worship. They got great preaching. They got great ministry. They got small groups and they're reaching their friends and the da 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 da. Hello? How about desperation every week in your church, in your youth ministry, in your town? Somebody's got to get a vision for this. And, there, and I just want to say a word about this. I want to give a gift to one youth pastor here. Because if you're sitting here as a youth pastor going, but I don't know how to do that. I've got good news for you. Because I've talked to so many struggling youth pastors that are like, I really want to. Youth pastors and youth leaders have a heart. They really want to, but don't quite know what to do. And I'm, and I'm sad to say that I think most youth pastors and leaders bypassed or got, you know, missed the train when it comes to learning how to grow as a leader and plan and dream and prepare Somehow senior pastors, a lot of them got it. Business leaders got it. You know, people in, in uh, politics got it. People that lead massive organizations got it. But somehow, people in youth ministry didn't get it. And so, and I didn't get it. I mean, I, we started in youth ministry. I'm out of college, and I learned how to preach, but I didn't know how to lead. I didn't know how to grow something. I didn't know how to, you know, delegate and plan and put dreams together. I didn't know anything about that. I just wanted to preach and get people saved. But I had I learned it the hard way. And so what, what happened is... I started at some of our events teaching youth pastors how to do this. You know, 
apply it to your own youth group, how to double, how to disciple, how to do it in a year, and then do it again, and then do it again. Because you know, if we check this out, if we get 100,000 churches doubling their youth group every year for the next five years, doubling discipling, we'll, we can change this whole thing in five years. It will be, if we do that, the average youth group starts with 10, we'll be discipling 32 million teenagers in five years. There's only 33 million in America. We can turn this thing around, but we're all going to have to get involved. And so I started teaching youth pastors, and they would come back to me and go, Ron, guess what? Last year I came to acquire the fire. I only had 20 kids in my youth group. Now I came back a year later, I have 200 kids in my youth group. I say, you're a freak. What did you do? You, go, you know that leadership stuff you taught the leaders? I just went home and did it. I don't even know what I'm doing. I just tried it. And it worked. And somebody else goes, well, I had 30 in my group a year ago. Now I've got 300 every week. What'd you do? You're a freak. I just did this leadership stuff. I just, I don't know what I'm doing. I've been in youth ministry all these years. Finally, it's growing. And I thought, God, we need to do something to help youth pastors know how to do this. And so, and I'm telling you this, I only got, a, I don't have very many of these here, but, um, but um, so we put a book together that tells all about it. But then check this out, youth pastors, because I, I would be robbing you if I said, go double, please do it. And you're like, okay, fine. I don't know what to do. Here's what to do. You can't use that excuse anymore. We put a six DVD curriculum together. You sit down one day. Everybody say one day. You sit down. Your youth pastor, sit down with all your youth leaders, your volunteers, one day, and you watch a DVD, 40 minutes, and then you stop it and you workshop. You watch the next one, you stop it, and you workshop it. After one day, you have a whole 12-month plan to double and disciple for your youth group. Very well thought through. Anybody can do this. You don't have to have a master's degree in youth ministry. Now, I talked to a guy just the other day. Check this out. I saw him two months ago. He got this double vision thing, and I saw him two months later. I just saw him like two weeks ago, and he goes... Hey, you know that? I remember, and I remembered him because I just happened. I pat, anyway, I was there when he got it, and he and he goes, "Well, I did it." The next week, I sat down with my leaders. We did it. Two months later, they've already doubled in two months. Okay, you guys, this is not like smoke and mirrors. Ooh, let's try to change the world, and then we all go and let it go to hell. You know, this is like let's put a plan together to double our youth groups. I can't do it. I can't reach a generation. No one youth pastor. No one denomination. But if we all Go for it. If we all say, you know, no more Mr. Nice Guy, no more playing games, no more youth group, you know, stupid little politics, let's go. In fact, don't even call your youth group a group anymore because, you know, that means it's us four, no more. You got to be here for five years before you're, you know, uh, you're still a new member. Even after five years, you're not a part of the group. You didn't grow up here. Forget about that. It's a thriving youth ministry enterprise destined to change your city or your town. Am I talking to the right people here? So anyways, this is one day to, to put a plan together. I'm going to give this to some youth pastor who's really hungry tonight. Who wants this? You got to really want it. Act, it. act like you're a teenager and you want it bad. I want to see somebody fool it. There you go. I was afraid, okay? So we don't have enough for everybody here, but there are a few of those at the table there. But you know what? The deal is... If we just come and we go, yes, God's awesome, rah, rah, excitement, he changed my life, but we don't go with a plan and a vision to do something dramatic this year, bad on us. How many would love to see your youth group double this year? I'm not trying, 
listen, please understand, I don't make any money off of that stuff, and, it's, it, and I'm not trying to sell stuff. I'm saying, if youth pastors go, I, I don't know what to do, you can't say that anymore. If you know other, another way to do it, then that's great. Go do that. You don't have to buy that stuff, but just let's do it. Let's get a vision for this thing. Please turn with me in your Bible to Ephesians. How many of you guys like the Bible? If you have your Bible, please turn with me in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. And, um, and uh, we're going to go on a, on a little journey here tonight. And in fact, um, youth pastors, if you'll do this, all the youth pastors and leaders, lift your hand up real high real quick, all over the building. I love you. Man, I'm just thank God for you. Listen, um, if you'll do this, if you'll just text... BC Battle Cry, text to, to this number 77812. If you don't know how to do it, ask one of your kids. 77812, just t- text BC, and we're, we're going to send you a gift, a gift uh, a video, a DVD with all kinds of clips on it that will help you in your youth ministry. And we're just going to bless you, okay? So just text BC to, uh, at, uh, to 77812, that number, and uh, we'll call you, get your address, and ship it to you, okay? Just to bless you and uh, to give you a tool there. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20. This is a rather famous verse in the Bible. And in fact, this is what I'd like for you to do. Turn the lights up a little brighter, okay? Because I want people to see this in their own Bibles. If you have your Bible, hold it up. I want you to see, I want to see the people that actually have Bibles in their hands, okay? Okay? Okay, so this is what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you, I'm going to give you exactly, turn the lights up even brighter and the house lights, please. I'm going to give you exactly 200 and 10 seconds. And I want you to take 210 seconds right now. I want you to memorize that verse from your Bible. If you don't have your Bible, look at my friends or look at the screen. You got 210 seconds ready. Go right now. Say it out loud over and over again as loud as you want to. Start. Go. 210 seconds. Plenty of time. Keep going. You know, as you're saying it again and again, and you're getting it down in your heart, it ought to be a little more passionate in here. It ought to be a little bit louder in here. Okay, keep going. It's not a very long verse. You can learn this thing. You got, you got, um, let's see. 210, you got, you got 150 seconds left, keep going, keep going, only 150 seconds left, you can do it, I know, you better say it again and again as fast as you can, keep going. Now, as you're learning it, it ought to become a little more fervent in here. I ought to be, I ought to start hearing you growl it a little bit. Say it like you mean it. Say it like you believe it. Come on, I can't hear you guys in here. All right, you've got, you don't have very much. You've got about 30 seconds left. Come on, 30, you better say it a little bit louder, a little bit more fervent. Can we turn this on? Fifteen seconds, come on, I want to hear a roar in this place. I want you to say it like you mean it. Put your, close your Bible, say it from memory. 
Five, four, three, two, one. How many have got it? How come that was mostly girls' voices I heard? What is up with that? Okay, I want to hear all the ladies in the house. I want to hear you say it from memory. Ready? Go. Now. Take it off the screen, man. They're cheating. People cheating in church. Okay, now all the guys. Ready? Go. Okay, I'm almost, I'm almost believing it. I want to know, how many, how many, like you really got it? I mean, you memorized, you got it burning, like you got it. Let me see, if you really got it. You got to like, stand up for a sec. What's your name? Kevin. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good. Can, is this on? Hello? Hello? There. Now, Kevin, can you say it for us? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine through his power that is or according to his power that is at work within us. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Stand back up. Now that was good, Kevin. That was good. No, you're doing awesome, man. But now, now, one last time, I want you to say it. I want you to preach it, okay? Go ahead. That's all right, just try. It's a good way to lose your voice. Go ahead. Now, according. <laughs> That happens to me when I preach too. Go ahead. Come on, he got come on a little encouragement. Come on, come on. You got it. Now to him. Now to him. Go ahead. Now to little help. Come on. Talk to him. to him. That is able to do immeasurably. How much? Immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. Get happy, somebody! Get happy! I want to know, is there a lady in the house that can preach it to me? Is somebody, a, a young lady who's got it burning on the inside, who you got it memorized. Why are they pointing at you? That's not fair. Who is it? Somebody that got the preach. Somebody that got it. Okay. Okay. What's your name? Alexandra. Okay, Alexandra, let me hear it. Okay. Now to him who is able to do more, or immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. Good. That's good for the first round. Okay, now, let it rip, girl. Here we go. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. There you go. Come on. Now. I want you to think about these words for a moment. Paul's writing these words in Ephesians and he's saying, okay, I'm gonna tell you something about this God. He says, now to him, he's, and he's making, he's telling the Ephesians a, a little bit about an attribute of this God. Let me tell you about this God. Let me tell you what he's like. He's able to do how much more? Immeasurably, okay? Exceedingly, abundantly above. I mean, it's more, if you can barely dare to conceive it, he can do a hundred billion times more than that, whatever that biggest thought you could possibly go through your mind. And he, now to him who is able to do, 
Let me tell you what he's able to do. Exceedingly, abundantly, above, one translation says, immeasurably, all that we ask or think or dream or imagine, all that we can possibly visualize or picture in our head, all that we could possibly invent or envision in your mind's eye, if you could dare to have that thought come through your brain, this God, you can't even measure how much more he can do than that. How many think that's a pretty powerful God? Now, but hold on, you didn't get the whole verse. According to his power at work within his right arm, is that what he says? According to his power at work within who? Within who? Point at somebody and say, that means you. Look at somebody else and say, that means you too. So watch, watch what he's doing here. You guys, he's like, he goes, let me tell you about this God. He's so massive, he's so huge, he, does all, he can do all the stuff, all, more than you can dare possibly conceive, ask or imagine, according to his power, not at work within himself, but at his power at work within us, within his children. Now, it's, it would be easy, like the, the thing that we maybe would naturally think, according to his power of his majesty, or his right arm, or his greatness, but somehow, Paul's communicating something to them that I, there's a seed of something, if you could catch this tonight, it would freak you out the rest of your life. He, he's saying the massiveness of what this God can do, way beyond you can dare to dream or imagine. He goes, I want you to dream, I want you to imagine, I want you to think big, and then I want you to understand how much bigger God is. Don't, don't like, oh, I just think puny. No, you dream big, think big. All, you know, uh, all that you could possibly conceive of, he's a billion times bigger than that and more powerful than that. According to his power, work within us. It almost seems like a paradox, like a contradiction. His power within us? I'm not that powerful. I'm not that strong. I'm not that smart. I'm not that good. I'm not that anything. And he's speaking of this partnership, this God partnership with humans. God wants to do massive things, huge things that would freak you out, shock you, but he wants to do them through you. Wait a minute, not me, because I just come from a little town. It's this partnership. See, a lot of times we get this idea of, well, God wants to do a revival. Let's just sit around and pray and let's watch him do it. He's going to do a miracle. Let's just sit around and watch him do it. But you know what? Almost every single miracle you see in the Bible, almost every single one that God does, there's a human involved. Do you realize that? Almost every one. I mean, if you're Joshua and you're marching around Jericho, you know, you didn't really have much to do with the walls falling, but you did march. You know, if you were one of the marchers that day, wouldn't you be going, I was there! I mean, I didn't really knock the wall down, but I, was, I marched, I screamed. I'm good at that. This is partnership. Imagine, think about this. Remember the, the miracle Jesus did twice, the fish and the loaves? Did it one time with 4,000 men plus the women and children, another time with 5,000. Remember, remember what happened there? They, um, they all gathered around and 
Jesus is like, give them something to eat. And they're like, we don't have anything, a couple fish, a couple loaves. Okay, do I have to do everything? And so, so, he's, so he's multiplying. He, he's, he's like, okay, just have them go sit down. So the disciples, Peter, James, and John, this is what they're doing. They're, they're counting to 50. One, two, three, 50, sit down. One, two, three, 50, sit down. One. They're counting to 50, sit down. They all come back. By this time, Jesus is taking these few fish and loaves, and he's multiplied them. i got to believe there's like a mountain of fish and a mountain of loaves. And he says, now go and serve these people. Take the fish and the loaves to them. So imagine what they're doing. They're carrying like platters full, baskets full, whatever. They're walking back and forth. Imagine how much fish and loaves, how many crumbs that takes to go back and forth and feed 5,000 men plus all their wives and children and everybody. Imagine how many times they're walking back and forth, back and forth and back and forth. Imagine what they're thinking. How did he do that? A second ago, this was air. Now it's heavy. They get all done feeding everybody. They're all full. They all come back. Maybe Jesus says something. You guys tired? Yeah, tired. Good job working hard. Yeah, thanks. Um, hey, uh, another thing here. Could you go and pick up the crumbs? So here's Peter, James, and John on their knees picking up crumbs. And how many basketfuls do they pick up? Anybody know? Twelve. How many crumbs do you think it takes to make 12 baskets? That is a lot of stinking crumbs. Isn't it interesting that Jesus just made them out of nothing, but he still cares about the crumbs? You know why? Because those crumbs are somebody else's miracle that's starving. He cares about the crumbs. And so they pick up the basketfuls, they come right back to him, bring them all back, and you guys tired? Oh man, are we tired? One last thing get back in the boat and row across the lake. Now we're not talking get in the jet skis, we're like in the boat, like this. Now, think about it for a second. He, don't you think he's the son of God? He could have said, let it rain fish and loaves into everyone's hands. He's, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. But he chose not to. He chose to do it with the disciples. He wanted to put them in the middle of the miracle with him. And you know how he chose to get them in there? By their sweat. Their work. And so there's this partnership. God wants to do big things more than we can ask or dare to dream or imagine according to his power at work within us, this divine partnership. He wants to do amazing things, spectacular things, but he wants to do them through us. Everybody say, through me. Now, push back for a second. Put, just push yourself away from all the stuff you're thinking about right now. Push back and think about this God who is the essence of creativity. I mean, just look at the stars for a second, you know? He said, let there be light, and billions of galaxies, each with billions of stars, flung, just like, wow, into space. And there they are. This is God. He just said it, and there they are. And think about all the orbits, and all the solar systems, all the planets, just, just there. They weren't there, now they're there. And then he said, let there be trees and birds and animals. And just think all that you look, stuff you learn in your science class that you hate studying for. But think about who invented that. Photosynthesis. Who in the world would have thought that up? You know, the ecosystem. You know, all the stuff. It's just like God. 
you know, the smallest microns and the, you know, the atoms and the everything, you know, the, the atomic energy and they're like rotating around and I'm like, that's like a little mini universe right there. So from the biggest you can dream to the smallest you can conceive, God thought it all up. He's this amazing creator and more and more scientists I'm reading about all the time that don't even believe in God are starting to believe in God because they're going, this is so unique, it has to have a maker. It has to have a creator. There's no way it can be an accident. It's, he's just an incredible creator. Now watch this. When he went to make you and me, Genesis 1.27 says he made man, humanity, men and women in his image. In other words, he didn't go, hmm, I want some more animals. I'll just make more animals. I'll make more dogs and cats and, oh, we'll just call them humans. He goes, no, out of all the species in all the earth, I'm going to make somebody that's like me. At least, I mean, he's like God, massive, but I'm going to at least put my DNA in him. They're going to be sons and daughters of me. They're going to have me stamped on them. They're going to be just a little bit like me. They're, they've got the seed of what God is like on the inside. They're not just another animal. They're not just another species with no brain and no heart and no spirit. This is, this is like, this is one of my sons, one of my daughters, this is humanity. And so, as he made you, as he made me in his image, he made us with his design, his DNA. And part of that DNA is this creativity, this ability to dream, this ability to manage, ma imagine and dream and think outside the box. He goes, I'm the biggest creator. I'm this massive God. I'm watch, watch, just watch. Just, if you just, just, if you don't do anything else, one of the things I love about David Crowder's songs is there's so many songs about just, just look, just let it speak for itself kind of thing, right? At the creativity of God. He goes, now you're my sons and you're and you're my daughters, and, and you've got the same DNA and the ability to dream. Now, you could dream many dreams, but I do want you to dream. And whatever you could possibly dream, I could do a billion times more, and I'm looking for somebody that'll dream big, somebody that'll dare to imagine, because whatever you dare to imagine, God can do a billion times more, and he's looking for you to dream, because if you don't dream, you're not going to do big things. If you don't dream... You're not going to do big things. I said, if you don't dream, you are not going to do big things for God. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm so tired. I wonder. I just wonder. Just, just the one principle in this one verse. If God is waiting for somebody to dream, he wants to do something great. He's looking for somebody to partner with in your town. Could it be you? You see, he's a dreamer, and he made you a dreamer. He's got a massive imagination, can you tell? And he's given you one. Why are we wasting our creativity on how cool we can make our MySpace page? have a cool page. He put the seed of creativity. He wants to do something great in your generation. 
And it can't just be me and a couple of people starting a conference here or there. It's going to take thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people to dream. Can we not dream? Are we not dreamers? Did God, did, did he not put the ability in you to dream? Are we not dreamers? Let me hear you say that. Are we not dreamers? Look at somebody and say, are we not dreamers? Think about this for a second. You were born to dream, you've got the potential to dream, you've got the DNA of God stamped in your soul and on your heart to dream. Of course, it's his power, it's his greatness that gets glorified through, he's doing it through us. But he put it inside you and it's as though we deny it and we just kind of go along our path, go to youth group, go home, go to sports, get a career, die. You know, I love what David was talking about today, you know, your story or God's story. And it's so amazing how he wants to intertwine the two. He's got his big, massive story. And he goes, man, if you dream big, I'll make your story so incredibly a part of my story. And it's amazing to think that the only thing that's holding us back or holding what he wants to do back is he's looking for somebody that'll pass out the fish and the loaves. Somebody to go, what? He wants to feed everybody with just a couple fish and loaves? No way. Come on, sit down, hurry, you know? You don't have to do the miracle, just be a part of the miracle. You know, you're not the one that actually makes something from nothing, but you get to get to pass it out. I want you to, tonight, right where you're sitting, to dare to think, to dare to dream, to dare to get out of yourself for just a second. Because you know what? On the other end of your dream, there are people. And if you don't dream, they won't get reached. And if you don't dream, they'll never know there's a God. And if you don't dream, they'll be in slavery forever in chains and in bondage. And they'll kill themselves and they'll be hurting because someone was just into themselves and they didn't really want to dream. I don't really think I can do that. I'm not really good enough for that. I'm not really smart enough for that. And I, Shut up. You're talking yourself out of something amazing God wants to do through you. So, you know, sometimes people get, you know, they like, well, I'm really good at the guitar. I'm really good at computers. I'm really good at whatever you might be good at, sports. And they, they're really into the, the thing that they're good at, the gift that they're good at. But they never dream God's dream about, why did God give that to me? What am I supposed to do with that? And so they might hog it to themselves, they might get famous, they might write pop songs and get, you know, rich. They might be a sports star and get rich. And they have no idea that God gave them a talent, gave them the ability to dream so they could leverage that talent to affect massive amounts of lives. Are we not dreamers? Can we not dream God's dreams? Were we not born to dream? Are we just a bunch of stooges following other people's dreams? Are we not dreamers? I didn't hear you, are we not dreamers? Yes or no? Let me tell you something. Our culture is saturated with dream killers. Things that will squelch and kill your dreams. They're all over the place. All you have to do is go home and flip on the TV, you'll see them everywhere. Oh yeah, see, because what happens is you watch that program every Monday night 
or every, whenever you do, you know, Friday nights or whatever you're, or you go to the movie, that new movie that's coming out, you gotta see it, and, and now I can't wait for the next one, and the next CD, and the next music video, and the next, and then, oh, and then the new space on, you know, Facebook's better than MySpace now, I can go to get that now, and I'm gonna, and, I'm, and I'm, whoa, whoa, stop! And what you're doing is every time you participate in that, you're letting somebody program you and show you a really cool story. It might be really edgy. You might say, well, I don't listen to satanic music and I don't watch satanic movies. It doesn't matter. They're taking your brain space. They're taking your ability to dream. They flood your mind and your creativity with their creativity. They're dream killers. Because we go from one to the next to the next to the next to the next, all kinds of media. Media is a dream, dream killer. Kill your dream before it's even birthed. You don't even know you're born to dream, but you can't wait to see the next movie that comes out. What's going on here? We just got a bunch of zombies walking around. Oh, we love God. We prayed a prayer. We're going to heaven. We even repented. We're just letting somebody else steal our destiny. We're just letting somebody else clog our brain with all of their ideas so we have no room to dream. We have no, we don't even have, we're not even exercising our imagination hardly. We've got dream killers everywhere. Computers, another dream killer, all the time that is spent on these different, you know, blog spaces and, you know, customizing this and that and, and you know, just, you know, hey, come on, you know, and, and, and really, I, I found out that uh, an apple really is not a computer. It's a cult. It is. It's a call, and I didn't realize this until my daughter, my oldest daughter, graduated from high school, and we, we thought, well, we're going to give her a gift, a graduation gift. We're going to get her a computer. And so we went to the Apple store, and uh, I didn't realize that's not a computer store. Oh, no. No, it's not a computer store. Adults, if you don't know this, it's not. It's a, it's a cult. Oh, see, because see, it's really not a computer. It's a, it's a media, go-with-me-anywhere machine. And now, you see what I'm saying? We have advertising going on for it right now. We have the fruit of that ministry happening even as we speak. And, uh, no, so watch this. So we're getting ready to buy this thing, and the guy, we, we just paid for it. I signed the thing, you know. And he reaches out to grab my daughter's hand, to shake her hand, and he says, is this your first Mac? Well, what did we just do? And then he taught her the secret handshake. Password. It was weird, man. Like, what happened? And I heard this music, you know, kind of like, what is going And it is, guy, listen, you're, I know you guys are all about, you know, the media and all, but listen to me. Just listen. And however cool that is, and I know it's cool to be able to watch TV shows and movies and everything you think you could possibly want on that media machine that you take wherever you get, go, and it's totally wireless and it's amazing, but every time you turn it on, it's killing your dreams. You know, you can use it as a tool or you can let it use you. Really. And the more it uses you, the more money they make, all the different websites and all the different things that you do. 
And you're just like, hey, man, I'm just with the culture. I'm just doing all my generation's doing. And the devil's laughing because as long as you're engaged, I can't wait. I can check it again. I can get my mind says five, ten, ten times today. See what friends are saying, what they're doing. And he's like, great, go ahead. It's just friends. And I love the depth of these friendships. <laughs> what are you talking about, Ron? I share my heart and my blog. Yeah. And if I don't like that friend, I block him. So you, I don't even have to see you. Yeah, I don't have to look in the eye. I don't have to work things out. Don't have to ask forgiveness. Just block him. That's a real friend. That's a real relationship right there. And so we've got dream killers, you know, media, computers, dumbed down reading. Now I'm all about, I think it's important to read the right kinds of things. So watch this. <laughs> um, because I fly on airplanes so much, uh, many times when I fly, they, they let me go up to first class for free. I buy a regular ticket, they let me go to first class. I'm like, thank God, I'm not going to pay for it. And um, so I'm thinking in first class, people are smart there. They're rich there. They're not stupid. How can you make a lot of money and afford a first class ticket if you're stupid? You got to be smart to make money, right? That's what I'm thinking. And I'm watching these people who you would think would be smart. And they're reading... In first class, every kind of tabloid magazine, what's this star doing, what's that star doing, really life-changing stuff, really engaged, play-by-play -play action on every pop, you know, star in, in the country, music or, you know, movie star or whatever. And I'm like, this is mind-numbing. This is time-wasting. This is something else to get our imagination off of dreaming big things for God. Now, there are obviously great things you can read that challenge you, that stimulate you, that help you to think deeper and more broad, obviously, the Bible, books about the Bible, other stimulating great stuff, classics that have been written. But don't be going, you know, I'm really getting educated on the culture because you're addicted to the Enquirer or whatever you like to read or some teen magazine, you know, whatever. Um, let's just be smart about this. They're, they're, they're dream killers. Sometimes our, the worst dream killers we have are people in our lives that you would think they would never do that. They're the most illogical ones, and sometimes it hurts the most. You know, um, I grew up as a kid where um, my parents never graduated from high school. And uh, none of my, but when I had graduated finally, when I graduated from high school, none of my siblings had graduated. And uh, not to mention even going to college. Couldn't even think of that. No one ever in my family tree had ever gone to college. Like, that's like way out there. And... Um, and I'm the guy, my parents were divorced when I was a kid. And so I lived with my mom and we lived on food stamps and we were poor. We counted every little grape in the refrigerator and you couldn't have a snack without asking for I mean, Every little thing was counted because it was survival. And when you grow up like that, it's hard to dream. And uh, you start talking like, hey, I'd like to do this and that. And you get shut down a lot. And my parents, I, you know, when I was um, 15, I ran away from mom to find my dad. And you know, my dad was a hard worker, my mom was a hard worker, but they weren't dreamers, you know, and they, they didn't know how to raise dreamers. And when you're, you know, you're on food stamps and you're like never graduated from high school, you don't think deeply and, and all this. And, and so my dad would say stuff like to me, like, I remember he'd say, son, you're probably going to be flipping burgers your whole life. Now, there's nothing wrong with flipping burgers as a starting job. But you know what? I believe God wants to raise up people that know how to, like, dream a little bit, learn some work ethic, and then move on. 
to the next step that God has for you. And I was told things and I had hammered my whole life. You're nothing. You're no good. You're, you know, we've never done anything in our family. And, you know, we're not rich and we're not famous. and We don't know anybody that is. We have no connections. We have not, you know, we're just normal Joe whatever people. And you get that kind of hammered into your brain. And not, not to mention the fact that, you know, um, you know, when you're poor, you can't afford things that most people can at school. So I was the guy that... Um, I, I was still bringing my lunch to school when everybody else was buying their lunches. There I am, eighth grade. Not bringing a bag, but I was bringing a lunch pail. Do you know those pails? Those metal ones that like construction workers carry? There I am in eighth grade. Why? Because bags were too expensive. A lunch pail, once you got it from Goodwill, and I was going to Goodwill to do my shopping before it was cool. You know, now it's like totally, you know, the rage. But I'm like, you know, time to go school shopping. We went to Goodwill. And, um, and I'm taking my lunch to school. And, I'm, and so I'm like inviting a beating on myself. I was the guy that everybody made fun of. I know that's hard to believe because I'm so cool now. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, I was the guy that like, I remember they wrote in my yearbook, Dear Ron, it was great knowing you this year. It was, it was fun uh, hanging you up on the walls and throwing you in the toilets. P.S. Hope we can do it again next year. And uh, they did it again next year. Uh, see, I was the guy that some of you would be picking on if I was in your school. And, and so, you know, I got out of home. I got out of school. I felt like I was smaller than most people. In fact, what I'd do is I would go out for, for, uh, for sports even though I was lousy. Because I hated going home so bad because I, I just got emotionally the snot beat out of me all the time, feeling like I was a nothing, like I was, I was a loser. And um, I'd go out for sports even though I was bad. In fact, when I went out, I was in freshman uh, in high school, I went out for football, and um, I, I, they, well, how can I explain this? When it came time to cut everybody, you know, everybody runs to see who got cut off the team, and all these guys that were better than me got cut, but I was still on the team. And no one could figure out why. But they were having so much fun with me out there. They just knew I would quit, but I didn't quit. I was like, I was like half the size of everybody else and, you know, and, and skinny and all that. But um, uh, I didn't know anything about weight training. What's that, you know? And, uh, uh, and, uh, but I would rather go do that and get punished, you know, every day at football practice than go home and made to feel like I was a nothing. And so... I, sometimes the people that kill your dreams the most are people that you think, do these people love me? Don't they care about me? Why would they say stuff about me or to me like that? Why would they discourage me? And, um, and put me down and make me feel like a nothing. My own family. I got to tell you something though, but when you know, when you discover this verse, that God has a dream and he wants to work through you to do it, and if God is for you, nobody can be against you. And it doesn't matter whatever anybody's ever said about you. Even the people that you think ought to know you best, they don't know you as well as God does. And when God says, you're my son or you're my daughter, you got my DNA stamped on you, now rise up and dream a little bit. You know what? There's no one that can put you down. And so as, as Katie and I, my, my wife, my amazing wife, we've been married 23 years now. And, um, and, and I, I got to tell you, I, I ended up going away to school, went to, 
went to college. Nobody in my family had ever gone to college. And, and they're like, you're doing what? You're moving halfway across the country to go to a Christian school to learn to be a preacher? If anybody was going to go to college, wouldn't you go so you could learn to be rich? Why would you go to learn about God? That's the most illogical thing you could possibly do. And to me, I'm thinking that's the only reason I want to go. I don't care how much I have to pay or where I have to move. I want God, and I'm going to go learn about him. And um, they, thought, they thought I was a total freak. I was. Yeah, I am guilty as charged. And so, um, and so you end up graduating, and uh, after I get out of college, I finished my master's degree. That's a freak of nature. I didn't even know what a master's degree was growing up. I never heard of it before. And, um, and so then um, it was soon after that that God gave us the dream, my wife and I had the dream for this ministry called Teen Mania and Acquire the Fire and all these events. And we're just like 24, 25 years old. We don't know anything. We don't have any money. We don't know any. We, all we know is young people. We got to get them on fire. We got to build a, an army, a generation that will change the world. And we're thinking about, we're dreaming. We just got a dream. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if you have a pedigree, if you have all the connections in the world, if you have all the money in the world, if you have a dream from heaven, you have everything you need because God will bring everything else you need. You just got to get a dream from heaven. Get God's dream for your life. Are we not dreamers? So I, I say all that to mention this. So we get this dream and we're like all excited. Well, we want to do that. And we don't, we don't even know what to, what to do. That's one thing that kind of, freaks you out. You get a dream from God, like, let's do this. And we didn't hear like this audible voice, go, do, do. We're just like, God, wow, we could do this. God, we spoke to our heart. And so we mailed a letter to everyone we knew in the world, tell them all about this vision, ask them if they would support it financially. And, we, and that was 120 people. That's all we knew in the whole world. And we kept running to the mailbox every day, see if anybody would support us, you know, and we started calling little churches all across America. Hi, you don't know me? My name is Ron Luce. I'd like to do youth alley in your church. Click. They'd hang up on me. Pastors would hang up on me. I'd call the next one. I'm calling. I'm, I'm out of phone books. I'm getting phone books from different towns. I'm just calling through the phone book, right? I'm calling after, 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 like every 40 phone calls, somebody would say, okay, send me a brochure. So you call those guys back. If you send out those brochures, you make enough phone calls. And then you say, hey, what are you thinking? Da, da, da. And we booked an itinerary. There we are in our little Chevy Citation driving around the country doing youth rallies. And the crowds were awesome. We had like 10 or 20 teenagers at a time show up. We were packing out living rooms across America. And I'd preach to those 10 teenagers like there were 10,000. I'd spit all over them. You know, take an offering. Now, you know we're living on faith, man. We got great faith, and we're taking an offering from 10 teenagers, and that's what we're living on. That's what we're running a ministry on. And, um, but I got to tell you, of all those letters we sent, we only got three back of those 120, three people that believed in our dream. Don't be discouraged if people don't believe in your dream. That's never been done in this town before. Oh, yeah, no one's ever done that. Oh, you can't start a youth center. Oh, you can't do this or that. So, everybody who's ever done anything great for God has heard the same words. Oh, yeah, Billy Graham heard it. Elijah heard it. John the Baptist heard it. All these guys have heard it. Don't be discouraged. You're, you're in the right company. You've got a great band of witnesses around you that heard the same thing just before they did something great. So, out of all the 120 letters, we said we only got three. And two of those 
letters that we got back with a gift were Katie's family members. Wondering what in the world, we better help this poor kid and this poor kid. And they, they believed in our dream. Of all the people we thought would believe, they didn't. Most other people didn't, but these people did. Sometimes God will bring people that you never expected to really, really, truly embrace your dream, and they'll get behind it. In fact, those two people happened to be here tonight. They planted a seed in the dream of what you saw, those stadiums. They're right here on the front row. Where are they? Right here. Grammy and Mima. Would you two please stand up? This is my wife's mother and grandmother. Please stand up, ladies. These are people who believe in dreams of young people. Okay. So listen, I want to get focused here because we're going to end in just a few moments. This is the deal. Please listen carefully for these last few minutes. Do you know that it has been said that 98% of the people in America, in our country, are followers of culture? And only 2% are shapers of culture. Listen to this. 98% of the people in this country they're the people that go, oh, when's that movie coming out? Oh, did that CD out yet? Oh, I can't wait to see that new music video. Everything, they're tuned into the culture. That's what that means. Oh, who's wearing that? Oh, I got to get my hair like that. Oh, I got to get piercing like that. So-and-so got it. They're followers of culture and only two. Everybody say two. Two yeah. percent. Like tonight, for example, while we're here, there are people that don't love God that are writing. They'll be up all night tonight writing perverted lyrics using their creativity in six months, every kid in your town is going to know those lyrics. They're part of that 2%. 2% that shape 98%. They're the ones that make the laws, they're the ones that make the media, shape the media, shape the culture. Okay, so just look at, just look at the board for a second. 98 versus 2. I'm saying, why shouldn't we be part of that 2%? Why shouldn't you be part of that 2%? Why shouldn't every youth pastor in this room be part of that 2%? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Every teenager in this room ought to be a part of the 2% that shapes the 98%. Think about it. The dreamers in our culture shape the culture. Who are the dreamers? We got lots of them. We got Bill Gates. He's a dreamer. Anybody use Microsoft lately? You're a part of his dream. Steve Jobs, he's a, he's a dreamer. Anybody got an iPod, iPhone, iTV, iEverything? Every time you use your iPod, you become, you're part of his dream. Every time you use your MacBook, you're part of his dream. Listen, listen carefully. We got, of course, people like Martin Luther King Jr. Remember his famous words, I have a... But wait a minute, he said that before you were born. Isn't there any other dreamers in the house? Are we not dreamers? Can't we dream God's dreams? Who else? Who else are a part of that 2%? Who are these people? I'll tell you who they are, they're MTV. MTV has a dream for you. BET has a dream for you. Who else? 
all these different networks, they got dreams for you. Television programs, video game companies, they got a dream for you. And every time you watch their stuff, every time you play their stuff, you are a part of their dream. You watch a movie, that movie started somebody going, hey, what if we made a movie like this? And we could do this, we have to get the money for it, get some actors, somebody's dream. Every website, every time you go, you're a part of their dream. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a website, we had millions of people on that? You're, they dreamed it up and they invented it. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a network and we commanded the attention of all the teenagers in America? You're part of their dream. Every time you watch it, listen to it, wear it, you're part of their dream. I'm saying, are we not dreamers? Can we not, the ones that hear the voice of God who created all the universe, can we not be creative? Can we not shape the culture? Can we not lead this generation? Is it only the secular people who don't love God? Are they the only ones with dreams? Are we not dreamers? Yes or no? You guys, I'm here tonight to tell you that if you do not dream, you will be a part of somebody else's dream. If you don't dream, your generation and your town will be commandeered by somebody else's dream. I'm not asking you to dream. I'm saying we've got to dream. We must dream. If you don't, know, if you don't dream, you know who will dream for you? The homosexual agenda will dream for you. Now let me, tell, let me explain exactly what I'm talking about. You know, we love all people, no matter what sin that they're a part of. Homosexual people that are in sin, every other kind of, it's not the people. But there are, are a group that, that, are, that are homosexuals that are determined to make homosexual, homosexuality normal for us in America. It's not really my choice, I was born that way, to make us think like that. So back in the, in the um, early 1980s, when AIDS first was discovered, they got together, they put a, a plan together, a strategy. I downloaded it off the internet, anybody can do it. A strategy, how to normalize homosexuality in America, it's a strategy. And they talked about, well we need to get into the media more, we need to, we need to get on every TV program, we need to have a homosexual uh, character that is very likable. We need to get into the laws. We need to get the laws changed. We need to get into business and put pressure on businesses to support gay activities. Are you following me? You read this now and it looks like a prophecy and they're ahead of schedule. So now we've seen so many things, for example, homosexual characters on our movie screens and TV screens and movies that come out and so forth. You know, we laugh at their jokes and da-da-da-da. It's not really anybody's fault. They're just born that way because their plan is working. There's no scientific proof that shows that people are born that way. Absolutely not. But they actually, they wrote a book about it. And they actually said in their book, they wrote it in the 70s. They said, even if we lie, the ends justifies the means. Even if we say things that aren't true to get our agenda accomplished. So... If we don't dream, somebody else will dream for you. You'll become a part of their dream. If you don't dream, you know who will dream? The Muslims will. You know, people say, and they, they, many Muslims like the Muslim Islam is a peaceful religion. You know what their idea of peace is? When everybody in the whole world becomes a Muslim, then we'll live at peace. And until then, we're driving ahead. And so, for example, you go to places like California. They're in the education system. Yeah. 
And so there are places in California where like a whole week is like Muslim week. They teach you the five pillars of Islam. They encourage the girls to wear burqas to school, you know, the little things over their faces. And they, no, you can't teach the Ten Commandments or anything about Jesus, but you learn a whole week all about Islam. What is that? It's about they have a plan. They have a dream. Listen, I'm not saying, please, you guys, you really need to do this. I'm saying it's, it's, it's about survival. If we are even going to have a shot of turning this thing around, somebody better start dreaming. In this house, somebody better get a dream from God. God put you here for a reason. He put you here for a purpose. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or even think, according to his power or work within you. He's looking for somebody to dream a little bit. Are we not dreamers? Are the, only the homosexuals and the Muslims and the MTV and Bill Gates, are these the only dreamers? Are we going to be a part of the 98 or the 2? You see, the thing about it is, it's your choice. It's our choice. Every time you do one of their dreams, you're part of the 98. Every time you push away and say, I'm not watching those movies, I'm not going to do anything on my Facebook today, I'm going to dream God's dream. God, do you want me to start a band? Do you want me to write some poetry? Lord, do you want me to make some videos and put it on YouTube? You want, what do you want me to do? Watch out. The ideas will just go crazy in your head. Could I do that? That seems bigger than life. It is. That's the beauty of it. So, they got an agenda, and I'm so proud. Of there, there are glimpses of people who, uh, who are dreamers that are, that are godly people. And I'll, I'll just give you a few of them. Um, over the last year or two, I got in, uh, an acquaintance with the, the, band, the band members of P.O.D. And um, doesn't, doesn't matter whether you like the style of music or not, listen to this. So these guys were just a garage band for the heart for God, right? And, and, and they're playing little, little clubs, little Christian places and stuff back whenever, 15 years ago. And um, there was a Christian label that heard them and said, we want to sign you. And they said, no, we have a dream that our Christian music would be heard by masses of secular people. And we know if we sign with just a Christian label, it's going to be on your label and be on Christian stations, but go nowhere else. So we're going to keep living out of our van, wondering where our next meal is coming from, even though you're offering us money because we have a dream. They're walking away from a record deal because they have a dream. Are you following me here? Until they finally, they got the secular deal that said, you know, we're going to, we, we're, we still want to put whatever we want on the, C, on the CD. They're the ones that were the first Christian group to go to MTV and said, we want you to put this on. And this is why. Fast forward 10 years, 15 years, they've sold 80 million albums. But it all started with a dream. I'm so proud of guys like that. that just, it just starts with a dream, just normal guys. They're just all grungy in a van driving around going, no, we're not going to take that deal. We've got something bigger on the inside of us. This young man named Simeon. Simeon came to be a part of our, our, honor, our honor academy on our campus. He was there a few years ago, probably six years ago now. Check this out. This guy was the wildest kid you've ever saw. He was like the most ADD guy you've ever seen. He was like the, the kid in your youth group in the van that like, he was that guy, right? Don't you dare despise that guy. This guy, I'm telling you what, we would give Simeon a weed eater and he could mow a whole field faster than a guy with a big old massive tractor. He was like, he's like, he was wild. So check it out. Simeon gets a dream. 
he goes home after the, he's done with, the, with the, our honor academy and he, and he goes home and he goes, you know, I'm, I think I could build houses. I kind of did it with my dad growing up. So he gets a contract to, bu- to build a house. It's first just a regular house. And while he's building the house, a guy drives up and goes, you know, I've been wanting to build a house, but it's a really big, nice house. Could you help me with that? And so this, this was, like, was like a million dollar house. And Simeon goes, sure, I could do that. Builds his first million dollar house. This is like five years ago. Fast forward now, five, million late, five, five years later, he's, listen, he's building 50 million dollar houses right now, 50 at the same time. He's got 50 construction crews working for him. And he's giving so much money away to the kingdom of God. This guy's got a dream. Are we not dreamers? Can we not dream dreams for God? He's not, he's like barely even 30 years old, whatever. Have you heard about this guy, Zach Hunter, that's got a dream to abolish slavery? He's only like 15 years old, written a book, he's traveling. Come on, somebody's got to dream around here. What's, what's God's dream for your life? Did you hear about this guy? Check this out. I love this, man. This guy in Michigan, 17 years old, senior in high school. He gets a dream. I love this guy. I found out later this guy had been to some Acquire the Fire events when we go up there. There's big, big ones up there. But anyways, he finds out that um, there's nothing in their city council bylaws about an age limit on running for mayor. Check it out, man. He's 17 years old. He, the people thought he was a freak. He's running for mayor. He's a senior. He's not even out of high school, man. So check this out, man. He's got all of his friends putting signs in your... They can't even vote. And they're putting signs in the yards and doing all this stuff. And you know what? Michael Sessions becomes the mayor of Hillsdale, Michigan. They're like... Luckily in that town, it's about 8,000 people in the town, it's being mayor is only part-time job. So he went to high school the first half of the day and the second half of the day would go to his part-time job as mayor. That's what I'm talking about. So this is the deal. God has given you the ability to dream and I'm saying, I'm asking, I'm imploring I want to provoke you tonight. You've got to dream. Your generation needs you to dream. If you don't dream, we'll all follow these other guys' dreams. When you dream, please think at least about four areas. These four areas that are major influence, I'm going to say real quick. When you dream, think about government. If you have any idea, any even inkling whatsoever, like Michael Sessions did for being a mayor or whatever, you know, think about it. Don't just go, okay, I'll be on city council. That'll be the first start. Go become a congressman or a senator or a judge, something. Why? Because you shape culture. You shape. Listen, when you get a dream, don't go, I have got a dream to flip burgers. If you got a dream for burgers, that's good. You can start by flipping, and then after that, you can order all the burgers in the whole restaurant, and then you can be the shift manager, then you can be the store manager, then you can own the store. A couple years later, you'll have a chain of three or four of those stores. Pretty soon, you'll buy out the whole chain, and you'll be a multimillionaire, and you'll be an influencer of all other businesses, and you'll buy up other states and other businesses. Are you following me? You've got to go in with a vision, with a dream. 
Think about government, think about business, whatever business idea that you have, ah, oh, might be a, whatever, whatever that is, whatever area of business, good, go in with a desire, with a dream, I'm gonna be in charge one day. I gotta, I gotta run this thing, why? Because the higher you go, the more you get promoted, you stay faithful to God, you use God's you know, principles, his character, he'll promote you, he'll bless you, he can trust you, you're gonna be able to pump lots of money into the kingdom of God. You're gonna be an influencer. People like Bill Gates is an influencer. People listen to him. He shapes culture, not just with his computers, but with his voice now, his philosophies. Think about education, entertainment, these four areas, business, government, education, entertainment. You might say, well, I wanna be a teacher. Maybe you don't because you don't like your teachers. But, but it, you know, some, some of you are inevitably in this room are going, oh, I want to be a teacher. Good. Start off with being a teacher and then become the principal and then the superintendent and then get on the, the city council, you know, the board, the, the board of education and then get on the state board of education so you can help control what curriculum gets taught. So like, for example, in California, there are little books there, five and six-year-olds have to read. Johnny has two mommies. See, what the, this is what the homosexual agenda has done. So little Johnny has been forced now to read about, you know, somebody who has two mommies. He's five years old for crying out loud. Why? Because some homosexual activists got on those committees and voted that stuff in and make you feel stupid for not wanting it. Like you're a bigot or like you're whatever. What are you talking about, man? How can you possibly do that? Well, they, they got smart about how to implement. So why don't we, are we not dreamers? Do we not have a brain? Can we not be the smart ones? Can we not get into positions of influence? If you're gonna go into education, go be in charge of the place. Entertainment, we need people that can sing and act and everything else, sports, whatever uh, area of, you know, sports is really entertainment now, it's gifting in sports, but it entertains people. With the testimony, how great was it when we all heard Tony Dungy talk about Jesus when they won the Super Bowl? Check this out. I talked to one of the, the Indianapolis Colts who was on that team and won. He goes, you know, the great, and he loves God. He goes, the greatest thing about our coach is this. He goes, he uses all godly principles and how he coaches us. It's, it's amazing, he said. But the greatest thing about winning the Super Bowl is now all the other coaches in the country look to him and go, what was it about his style? How did he do that? So he's an influencer of all these thousands of coaches because he loves God and won the Super Bowl. And I just believe that God is looking to raise up thousands of people in this room that will be influencers like that. Are we not dreamers? Can we not dream a dream for God? So, tonight, if I could provoke you to dream, please, tonight, what do you have in your hand? Any gifting you have? How could God use it? You feel like maybe you don't have any gifting? <laughs> God will use that. The only thing I was good at is being obnoxious. Man, was I good at that. And now I'm obnoxious in front of thousands of people every week. Seriously. You, it doesn't matter. If, I don't really feel like I'm good at anything. Who cares? Listen, you need to feed your dream. You need to start dreaming and feed time, time with God. Feeding God, what's your dream? Come on, feed me. When you're having your God time, feed my dream, Lord. I got a spark, but I need more of it. You need to start thinking like, what if? Well, I don't really think I can do this, but what if I could? What if God wanted to do it? What, just what if? Just what if? 
Yeah, think like that. Instead of thinking, oh, I can't do that, but what if, what if you could? With God's power, with his grace. Whatever you're dreaming, start doing research about it. You want to start a website. You want to start a TV program. You want to start a band. You want to, whatever you want to start. Use some kind of creativity. Start something somewhere. You want to start a youth center. You want to do something for the girls that are pregnant in your town. You want to start something with the punkers in your town. You Whatever it is, the goth people, you want to do something somewhere for the people that are cutting or the people that are committing suicide or trying or thinking about it. You want to do something? Well, I don't want to do some research. Study it. You know, people dumber than you can do this. My aunt told me that one time. <laughs> we started Team Mania, and I was feeling a little discouraged. because think about it this way, Ron. People dumber than you have done stuff like this. I thought, I really feel encouraged. Thank you. If dumber people than me could do it, I guess I could. Ideas. Listen, ideas are God's converse. God will drop an idea in your mind, and an idea could mean a million souls. People say, well, if I just had money, I could do all this stuff. No, you, what you need is a dream. Because if you have money without a dream, you waste the money. We got lots of people wasting stupid money on stupid things. You know what kills me? Oh, man, this kills me. Think about this. We have so many thousands of hours represented in this room right here. In the last month, thousands of hours spent on somebody else's dream. Thousands of hours watching, listening, typing, listening, watching, listening. All the while, and somebody goes, well, if I really need money, I'll get a job. So you might take a, a little time away from their dream to go get some job so you can get some money so you can buy your stuff. How about using your auxiliary time to build a dream, to go raise money, get money, to support orphans or to buy people out of sex slave trafficking or do something to help people that are broken in your town. We use all this potential and sow it into other people's dreams rather than this, God's given you an idea and you let it get overcome and overwhelmed because you got submerged in so many other adventures and movies and fun things and this and that, you forgot you even had a dream. Read good books, they'll help feed your dream. Ask yourself, what am I passionate about? If you're not passionate about something, find somebody that is passionate about something, ask them why, 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 see if that begins to feed your passion. And as you begin to do this, make a dream book. You might make it with a PowerPoint, you might make it in your journal, but like, write stuff down. What's your dream for your family? Your dream for the kind of friends you want to have, the kind of job you want to have, the kind of career, the kind of education, the kind of future. What's your dream for your town, for your youth group, for your school this next year? What's your dream? Do you even have a dream? Oh, I'm just going to the, going to be a junior. Don't just go be a junior. Blast into your junior year with a dream. Blast into your freshman year with a dream. Come on, give us a generation. Are we not dreamers? Okay, so tonight, the question is this. Are you going to be a part of the 2% or the 98%? It is your choice. God put the DNA inside you to dream. And I dare to believe with all my heart that there are thousands of seedlings, like just seeds of dreams. You may have thought about sitting in this room right here. You may have not really spent much time. Maybe somebody rained on your parade. You tried to do something. Ah, shut up. You can't do that. And so you said, I'm never going to do that. I'm never stepping out of the norm again. You know what? You need to get over it. You need to dream again. You need to shake it off, man. Don't let Joseph's brother rain on your parade. You know what they tried to do to him? He's like, I had a dream. Ah, shut up. Threw him in a pit. You've been thrown in a pit before. That's all right. God's going to pull you out. He's going to make your dream happen. Maybe you've been so absorbed by dream killers you haven't even been able to dream. Would you tonight open yourself up 
Maybe you've never really dreamed, you've just kind of been a part of the 98% and you didn't even realize you were. Tonight's the night to eject yourself from that. Never thought you could because you thought you're too small, you're too nothing, what people said about you. You'll never be able to do that. You're not a good musician. You can't sing. You know, God bypasses all other people's logic. And you're looking at a guy here tonight. I was hammered with that my whole life. And if God can take a guy, you, me, me, I, I was describing my life and my family. Maybe your family isn't near that bad. Maybe half that bad. So if he can do it through a little guy who was a nothing of a nothing of a nothing that was picked on his whole life, and now you can see stadiums full of teenagers. You know what? How about if there were like a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand people who were stomped on who got a dream from God and just started doing it? That's you. Just you. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.